The following sermon was preached at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas. I told them the same thing at 9 o'clock. You don't have to have a Master's of Divinity degree and working on a doctorate in order to butcher the, na- the, the names of nations uh, in Scripture. Uh, they don't teach you exactly, well, they do teach you how to pronounce them, then you forget them when you're reading them in front of a bunch of people. Um, but this is Pentecost Sunday. It's, what we're talking about, where, where they were going, was this Jewish festival uh, called Pentecost. Uh, and Penta means, you know, five. It's, it's, it's associated with this 50 days following Passover. When we talk about Easter, we talk about the great 50 days. That's the 50 days following Easter. But here, Pentecost is a celebration uh, 50 days after Easter. Now, I mean, after uh, Passover um, in, in uh, the Old Testament. And, and if we look to uh, these Jewish festivals, Passover was certainly one of major uh, importance. It was one of the most important festivals to the Jews, uh, but it came a couple of months earlier, and the weather was uh, a little bit more unpredictable at the time, uh, it, during that time, and, and because uh, the weather was more favorable at Pentecost, we see all these people coming together, um, because it was a little bit easier for them to travel. So, so, so these people from, from different places have come together um, at Pentecost to, uh, to celebrate their common faith. And Luke provides this list of nationalities, which I butchered mostly uh, in the reading. Uh, but, but by providing this big list of nationalities, it's, it's, way, it's I think, his way of saying that, that they had all gathered from uh, all of these places, that all of these people uh, certainly came together to celebrate this common faith that they shared. And it was in the midst of this international crowd, and I think maybe there's a sermon or, or something that pe- can be learned from that statement alone. It was in the midst of this international crowd that the Holy Spirit came, and, and, and came in a big way like, like gangbusters, and, and made his presence known to those that were there committing themselves to following this, this Jesus of Nazareth, that had uh, been crucified and then raised from the dead. And it happened the way in which Jesus said it would. And it happened at Pentecost. You know, we, uh, in the church, we often refer to ourselves as Easter people. And that's good, and we should. And that's a, it's a wonderful time. And it, and it is, you know, something that helps define Christianity, us being Easter people. But it's hard for us to live out this promise of Easter without Pentecost. We need Pentecost in order to faithfully live as Easter people. One of the things that as Christians we can point to is the fact that um, our Christ, our Savior, is no longer in the grave. Our Savior is risen. Um, And and as I think about... uh, uh, no longer being in the graves. I, I, I also want to mention that uh, it's summertime and people take vacations and they're driving around. And my family, we, uh, anytime we've driven west, we try to go through Fort Sumner and see Billy the Kid's grave. Has anybody gone to Fort Sumner and seen Billy the Kid's grave? Nobody? Well, you've got to do it. It's really cool. Every time we go west, 
we go out of our way just to see Billy the Kid's grave. However, we all kind of hope that it's not Billy the Kid's grave. If you've heard of Brushy Bill Roberts, we kind of hope that Billy the Kid is actually buried in Heiko, Texas, lived to a ripe old age of 90-something and is buried. Anyway, I won't, but we like to believe all that. Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, all that kind of stuff we like to uh, play with, but that's not... That's not what we're talking about here. Our Christ actually did raise from, rise from the grave. Uh, our Christ is our Savior. And, and we know this through the work of the Holy Spirit. Our Savior gave us Easter through the resurrection. But even more importantly, uh, maybe not more importantly, but certainly as important, Easter wouldn't be completed without Pentecost we think about it, um, Easter was an event that occurred. Pentecost is that promise of continued presence. There's a, a renowned preacher, Fred Craddock, who puts it this way, talking about the importance of Pentecost. What it would, without Pentecost, we'd be somewhat lost. He says, without Pentecost, Easter offers us a risen Christ whose return to glory leaves the church to face the world armed with nothing but fond memories of how it once was when Jesus was here. But with Pentecost, Easter's Christ promises to return and has returned in the Holy Spirit as comforter, as guide, as teacher, as reminder, as power. With Pentecost, see the church, with Pentecost the church doesn't simply celebrate but it participates in Easter. With Pentecost, the risen Christ says hello rather than goodbye to the church. Pentecost is an amazing time in the church in which we celebrate and see and embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. I, uh, I heard a story, uh, and, and some of you may have heard this story too. It's... it's uh, uh, maybe it's even an old one, I don't know. But there was, this, there was a, a, a schoolboy going to a Christian school. He had to write a paper. Uh, it was a term paper, and, and he was working really hard on it. Uh, but, you know, of course, like any rational person, he waited until the last minute to actually complete the paper. Uh, he wrote the, the paper. I th maybe even they went to, to Chris Duke's school. I don't know. Um, but wrote this paper, finished it, and thought, boy, I really nailed this paper, did a, did a great job on it, turned it in, but in his haste, he forgot to do spell check on the paper. So, uh, but, but he's excited about getting the paper back. He gets it back, and he notices all these red circles throughout the paper. And he was heartbroken because he'd worked so hard on it. And, and, uh, but every time in that paper where he wrote, Jesus died to take away our guilt, which he wrote, over and over throughout the paper, Jesus died to take away our guilt. He actually wrote the word quilt. Jesus died to take away our quilt. But then he turned to the last page, saw that he made an A on it, and there was a message from the teacher that said, yes, Jesus died to take away our quilt, but not before he left us with a great comforter. <laughs> yes, that's, that's where you either laugh or groan. Um, but Easter... Easter does need Pentecost. Uh, you and I need Pentecost, personally. Um, and here's why. Think of those times that, 
that maybe you have felt somewhat defeated, uh, personal circumstances that have, have beaten you down in a way, or, or, or maybe even people that you have trusted have proven to be maybe less than faithful. And just when you seem like, uh, when it seemed like you couldn't take it anymore, the, the Holy Spirit of God comes in, and, and the same way he did in, in Ezekiel, the valley of the dry bones, um, breathed new life into these dry bones. Uh, and, and you knew that your life was once again worth claiming and was worth asking um, for, for um, continued growth and, and worth seeking. And uh, if, if you're not familiar with the, the Ezekiel story, the Valley of the Dry Bones, um, or need a refresher, I'll, I'll, the first few verses in chapter 37 of Ezekiel go like this. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out of the Spirit, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. We are Easter people, yes. But even with Easter, we still need Pentecost. Listen once again to how Luke describes it. Suddenly a sound came from heaven, like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, where they were waiting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I think even though this is a fairly graphic and beautiful description, I think still it's difficult for Luke or any of us to put into words. Uh, he seems to be having a hard time conveying here exactly what he means. If you've ever tried to explain something that you felt but words just weren't adequate to, to really get that point across. Uh, Julie talked about it a little bit in the children's sermon, how it, it can be difficult to, to completely define and, and, and talk about things that are hard to grasp. Luke's images are, are powerful, but I think maybe there's still something that, that he's leaving on the table in, in talking about these events of Pentecost. Maybe if, as you read through it on your own later and, and really try to clear your mind of everything else and really absorb what it is, Luke is saying maybe our mind's eye can, can understand better the events of that day. What does all of it mean? All of this, uh, all of this mean with, with the Holy Spirit coming and, and what's happening there? Uh, after all, you know, this, this event that happened, what do we... You know, we don't typically see that happening. It talks about these tongues as of fire resting upon people and this 
clash of, uh, this crash of wind that comes through, it's, it's hard for us sometimes to grasp this understanding and this idea of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if, if we were to admit it, I think, um, while we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit, I think sometimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, maybe we're a little bit more like the, the, the disciple Thomas in our doubts. Um, we believe what we can see, what we can touch, what we know to be real. Because of that, sometimes we're inclined to, to place the full weight of our, of our faith. It's, it's difficult for us to, to place the full weight of our faith on something that, that's as, as vaguely obscure as the Holy Spirit. Many, um, too, would have the, the same skepticism to the presence of Christ uh, in Holy Communion. But, but we don't have to be that way. We don't have to have those doubts because, as, as Julie talked about in the children's sermon, it's that feeling, that, 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 that knowing that the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and moves us. See, these things that are difficult for us to grasp are not impossible for us to grasp because as we look at it, a couple of thousand years ago, Jesus Christ, Christ became the incarnate word, walking on the earth. Jesus had a face. Jesus had hands. Jesus had arms. He healed with his hands and he comforted with his arms and, and he reassured with the looks on his face. Now that all happened two years, 2,000 years ago, right? Or at least a couple thousand years ago. Does that mean, though, that God no longer exists in human form? No. No, I don't think so. I think Pentecost says that God is now embodied in the church. That through the church, he would heal the sick. Through the church... The good news would be proclaimed to those who need it most. Through the church, he wants to bring about justice in a world filled with pain. And he wants to give liberty through the church to those who are beaten down by difficult circumstances. See, I think Pentecost empowers us. Pentecost gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit to realize that when these things happen, they happen through the church, led by the Holy Spirit. One of my, because we're, we are, we are an imperfect people, right? We must rely upon the Holy Spirit. There's um, one of my favorite lines from the, the movie Rooster Cogburn. Uh, hopefully, at least some of you have seen Rooster Cogburn or, or True Grit. Rooster Cogburn is a a sequel to the movie True Grit with John Wayne. It's got Katherine Hepburn in it also, and, and uh, John Wayne is, is riding along Katherine Hepburn. I think her character is also uh, the daughter of a Methodist preacher in the movie, um, but they're riding along, and uh, Katherine Hepburn just scolds John Wayne up one side and down the other, and then takes off riding. And John Wayne turns to the young Native American boy riding with him and says, if they ever give them the vote, God help us. And I kind of think that's a bit like Pentecost. If God ever turns his church over to us mere mortals, 
and we fail to listen, God help us. But that's what he's done. See, that's what he's done. He's given us, though, the Holy Spirit as the great counselor. We're led by the Spirit when we, when we have enough sense to follow, that is. But we're, we're led by the Holy Spirit. But God, uh, God has empowered us through the church. God's made it clear that, that we are an imperfect people, but we are a faithful people. And imperfect but faithful people are God's kind of people. He's depending on the church to proclaim and embody the good news that, that only the kingdom can deliver. The church, the church, even this church, needs to be set on fire. For that's the picture of Pentecost. One of the, one of the saying, sayings that gets attributed to John Wesley often uh, about preaching is, he says something along the lines, if you preach with fire, people will come from miles around to watch you burn. Pentecost is the season of, of fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. See, uh, Pentecost is the season of wind, the wind of the Spirit that blows and gusts its way into the hearts of those who are committed to God and his kingdom. Pentecost is a time that we need to be reminded that sometimes being the church can be dangerous. So we have to ask the inevitable question in this place, is the Spirit evident? When we leave worship and go out into the world, is the Spirit evident? Where we work and where we live, where we shop, where we do whatever it is that we do, is the Spirit evident? We're Easter people, yes, but we're Pentecost people too, taking the Spirit out with us. Well, if Pentecost is to do nothing else, if, uh, it should at least remind us that we're to be a witnessing community, that we're to share with friends and family and acquaintances and neighbors the power of God in our lives. Why? Because we're the church. And the church is the only institution that Christ himself founded. But we can't do that. We can't witness to our faith if the power isn't present with us. The good news is that we are a Pentecost people. And the power is present with us. So it's time for the waiting to be over. You know, as, as the, uh, the waiting and hiding like the disciples did after Easter in that little room. And, and the waiting that they all did in that room on the day of Pentecost, the, the waiting for the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is over. The, the wind is blowing and the spark, the flame has been sparked. So let us on this Pentecost Sunday respond to the outpouring of God's great spirit and determine as individuals and as a collective body of faith that it's now time for us to deliver as the church. God bless you. You're invited to worship with us at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas at 9721 Braun Road. Services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can find us on Facebook or check us out on the World Wide Web at cfumcsa.org.